0: a series about Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ. Someone has said that right thinking is essential for right living. As we direct our attention to Jesus and His supremacy and His exaltation and that He's God and that He is the truth, the life, and the way, it allows us to live right and to know Him in His abundance, and not to fall, and not to slip. The title of this message is, In These Days, In These Last Days, God Has Spoken to Us by His Son. Jesus Christ, there's 200 and some names for Him in the Bible, a lot of them, we know many of them, Christ, Jesus, Lord, Savior, Emmanuel, Messiah, Servant, Wonderful Counselor, but there's about 200 of them that are listed. But they can be all brought together. And Christ fulfilled three major roles. That of prophet, that of priest, and that of king, and soon coming king. And so in the book of Hebrews, let me, let me just paint the background for you, what the book of Hebrews is about, to give us some background. The book of Hebrews was written for a word of encouragement divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, to those converts who were brought up in the Jewish tradition and they had converted to Jesus Christ. And they were in some of the far-flung reaches of the Roman Empire. They were not in Jerusalem with the early church. And by the way, primarily the early church in Jerusalem, the mother church, was, was the majority was made up of Jewish people and it wasn't until Acts chapter 6, when there's what is known as a dispersion, when they were, they were kicked, shoved out, if you would, out of Jerusalem, that they began, uh, they began to carry the good news with them. And when we get to Acts chapter 11, it said that they began to speak to the Jews, but others began to speak to the Greeks. In Acts chapter 11, we see a great shift of the gospel that now would go to the Gentiles. So the Apostle Paul, uh, God would raise him up. He was Saul of Tarsus. God would raise him up as the Apostle. And there are three great missionary journeys that he took where he preached to the Gentiles and the Jews alike. His method of operation was to go on the Lord's Day, or that day, at that time it was the Sabbath, and he would go and asked where the Jewish synagogue or the Jewish temple was. And he knew that there were worshipers of God that were there. And he would go there and he would begin to preach the Word of God and, and new converts would come. There were miracles, there were signs and wonders, gifts of the Spirit that were poured out. And while he preached to the Gentiles, and that's what God used him and he also used him to bring many, many, many people who were Jewish to complete their faith and they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and He left behind these churches that primarily met in houses at that time. Well, you can imagine that the book of Romans was the book of Romans was written several decades after Paul the Apostle had been on missionary journeys, and in these far-flung reaches, these house churches that were there, they were suffering persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire. Some because some had been, had been uh, just shunned by their own family or by their own religion. Uh, others had, uh, they, just, they found that it was a, a lonely time, if you would. And after several decades of meeting together, uh, the book of Hebrews was written to encourage them because many of them, and I can understand why, we're saying to themselves, maybe we should just go back to what we once knew. It'd be easier to celebrate all the holidays and because uh, their, their faith and their religion together as a family meant it was is who they were. And how many of you have grown up in church? Just let me raise your hand. You've grown up in church and, and you know what that's like. And if you can imagine that aside from the whole spiritual aspect of that, just the community and the friends and the support system and all of those things, and even the holidays, Christmas that we celebrate, if suddenly that you uh you, you left that, what that would mean to you, and so the book of Hebrews was written, and what what is remarkable about this book or some characteristics that stand out is that you see the word better in a more sure way, and it and it the writer brought out that Jesus Christ is the great high priest and and his sacrifice that we're going to celebrate at the end of the service today the lord's table communion was a once for all sacrifice praise god and it comparing to the old ways that the writer said that if the blood of the blood and the ashes of bulls and goats could not purify or purified us To a certain extent, how much more could the blood of Jesus Christ, who offered himself once for all as an eternal worship uh, sacrifice, how much more could he cleanse our conscience to worship the living God? So this word came and it came as an encouragement to them. But today I find some similarities because while in America we have a lot of freedom to gather and to assemble, yet we've also seen our values, our spiritual values that at one time were taken for granted, we've seen them eroded away, and we've seen attacks upon ourselves. It's recently, this is one of the manifestations has come about it, about all the reports of, of uh, the misuse of power and to, to elicit uh, sexual alliances, abuse, assaults, and all that, and um, just it's a terrible thing that has happened, and, and all I can say, I, I, I hope that everyone that's coming forward is doing it for the right reasons, and and it's not the wrong reasons. But we live in a day and age that exalts ourselves, and righteousness is not really on the front burner for most people. When I was a kid, and some of you remember those days. In fact, there's a lot of you remember those days. That sex outside of marriage, everyone knew it was wrong. We also knew it happened, but everyone knew it was wrong. We knew it was wrong. And if you did that, and you got caught, it was at your own peril. And then it moved to that, well, as long as it's between two consenting adults, then it's okay, it's none of your business. And then it went to sex between people of the opposite sex. And now it's gone to uh, you name it. I don't know where this thing is going to end. But what I know is this. We've watched the downward regression. Of, uh, as a people, as we moved away from God, and now everything is—it's like all bets are off—and we've we've uh, we've been under the influence. Our educational systems, and by the way, I am for education. If you want to be an engineer, go and get your education. You want to be a pastor, go and get your education. Learn everything you can from people that know more than you do. Can someone say Amen? But. But there have been two great schools of thought, and just bear with me for a moment because it's important to me and uh, and hopefully to you that one of the great influences in American society has been what is called naturalism or modernism. And modernism or naturalism is that everything is natural and there's no supernatural. How many are aware of that? And so modernism is the scientific mind that came out of the west that says if you can't quantify it it can't be. In other words, in other words, if I can't read thus that must mean that there's no such thing as a book. How about that? All right? And so we just ignore that whole thing. And we've suffered under that it's been a couple hundred years. And uh, sci- not science, but scientism. And there is a difference, by the way. My daughter's a PhD. She's a scientist. She loves God. She's sold out to Jesus. You can be a scientist, how many know what I'm saying, without being in what they call in, uh, in the field of scientism. The field of scientism believes that science is the answer for everything and there is no God. That's what scientism is about. But then beginning in the... in in the 1990s we uh, there was another terrible terrible outlook a narrative of life that came into our way of being it was called postmodernism and postmodernism went beyond modernism modernism said there is no god postmodernism says there is no truth you can read romans chapter 1 and you can you can you can follow along and see where this thing leads If there is no God and there is no truth, truth is only what I determine it to be and what my friends say it to be. Everything is up for grabs. And, and we are witnessing that now in the United States of America. Everything is up for grabs. And, and I want to share with you, I just felt this, the Lord impressing my heart that this is the time that we look at Jesus Christ that He is King of Kings, that He is Lord, that we can build our life upon this solid rock and we don't have to be ashamed or make apologies for this. I've watched the results of violating the Word of God and His great love for us and I don't want any part of it. How about you? I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and know His love and know that He speaks to us. So I want to share this series with you. God communicates to His people because He loves us. In the Old Testament, He communicated in three ways before Jesus Christ. One was what is known as theophany. A theophany is simply a temporary visible presence of the glory and presence of God. That's what a theophany was. He also communicated through the prophets and by miracles. Let me give you an example of a theophany. Remember when the three Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace? And they they said heat it up seven times, make sure no one gets out of there. They said, the king said, now go tell me, are they dead yet? And the guy came back scared to death. And he said, there's not only three, but there's four. And one is like the Son of God. He's walking around there in them. All right. That's called a theophany. That's a the theophany. The cloud by day and the fire by night, that's a visible reminder of the presence of God. God spoke through miracles, and He spoke through prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And by the way, what the the prophets did, there's a number of things they did, but I want to say this, that often the prophets spoke, they were weeping as they spoke. Some of us think a spirit of prophecy is to grab the hoe and start chopping at everyone in sight. That's not the spirit of prophecy. That's just meanness. How many understand that? Yes, all right. I I need a better amen than that. But the Bible says this, that, and I'm going to read Hebrews 1, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. To the Lord Jesus Christ be all praise, glory, and power forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. I want to encourage you this morning to build your life upon Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. I know our culture says not to. And I know there are some consequences, temporary consequences, that seem to be good if we're not a witness and testimony for the Lord. But they're only temporary. The culture that we live in is like they're living on spiritual credit and instead of saving for their retirement, eventual retirement one day, which is eternity, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. That's what God's word says. It's like saving for retirement and paying into Social Security, and when you get there, it's available. Or you've laughed and you've scorned, and you said, I'll spend every dime I get, I'll, I'll borrow as much money as I can, and suddenly you find yourself 65 and you thought Medicare was going to cost you $135 a month, and you're going to be set for life, and you find out it costs $700 a month, and you don't have enough because you've wasted it. And I want to encourage you this morning that as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, it's making an investment into heaven. Can someone say amen? Jesus said, don't lay up treasures here on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves cannot break in. And they cannot steal it. And so as we live righteously before the Lord, yes, it's a, it's, retirement seems like a long day off. But you're going to get there one of these days. I want to guarantee that. In fact, I am now, I'll show you, and I've done my wallet with me. I am now an official Medicare card-carrying recipient as of, no, as of December one. And I said to my wife, I said, how in the world did we get here this quickly? The next question I have, but it's not my lane, is how is the government going to pay for all this? I mean, that's not my lane. All right. But build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ and find encouragement in the Word of God. Don't follow the culture of this world where truth is up for grabs and there is no Savior that speaks to them or to you and to me except the spirit of this age who is motivated by the devil himself that Jesus said is a liar, a murderer from the beginning, and he's the author of confusion. Can someone say amen? Amen. Love God and serve Him and do it proudly because we serve the risen Savior, praise His name. And so, this is what the writer to the Hebrews said. God spoke to His people through the prophets. And in the, in the bulletin notes you can fill in today. Old Testament prophets were, first of all, messengers of God, empowered by the Spirit of God for the people of God. God assigned them to guide to warn, predict, and to interpret. They were special messengers. Prophecies demonstrated God's sovereign rule over history and pointed to the Messiah. And the prophecies of the Old Testament showed His unfailing love to His people. Most religions have special people known as prophets or seers or shamans or witches or priests. Only, and they broker religion to the individual and they set the market price. They are a law unto themselves. It's only God who loves His people and desires to communicate to them has set aside prophets with a system of checks and balances. The Bible says, try the spirits. Not all prophets are true. Some are false. And He communicates to us because of His great love for us as His people. God's Word says, the second thing I want to share with you is that in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. He is qualified. Can someone say, thank you, Lord? He's qualified. He's qualified. I want to encourage our hearts today to listen to the Spirit of Jesus, which is the Spirit of prophecy, through His Word. Don't let any old person speak into your life and make decisions over it. Verse 2 and 3, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Christ is both prophet and the fulfillment of, of over 300 Old Testament prophecies, the prophecies, so many of them in the Old Testament, referred to the Messiah. For unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born, and the government shall and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The people who have sat in great darkness will see a great light. Emmanuel, and a virgin shall conceive, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. On and on and on and on. Jesus Christ is both prophet, but he's the, the fulfillment of the prophecies that were spoken long ago. Praise his name. Amen. The writer said, God has spoken to us through his son. I don't know about you, but that blows me away. Through his son. The writer goes on to describe him. He says, He is the heir of all things, and all creation was made through him. The heir of all things means that God's grand narrative, the narrative is the story. The narrative in a, in a book is that it's like the storyline. Uh, last week I mentioned to you about. Hallmark movies. How many remember that remark I made about Hallmark movies? It has not slowed my wife down. She doesn't care what I think. Uh, I even watched one myself this week. I gotta say, it sort of reminded me of watching Lassie or I mean, everything turns out all right in the end. How about that? Yeah. There's no uh, R-rated scenes. There's no cussing. No one getting shot and killed. How about that? No one getting murdered. No one committing adultery. No one do. You know, it's sort of reminds me of Philippians where uh, Paul said finally uh, two uh, nine a uh, eight, eight rather. He said finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, pure, honest, lovely, good, report. Think on these things. I don't know that he had Hallmark or Walmart. Movies in mind, I don't know, but it. Ref- it I, I won't make fun of them anymore very much. I just, I don't have to watch them though, let me put it that way, all right. Uh, by the way, Clemson played Miami last night, or I should say Miami played Clemson, and for the South Carolinians among us, namely to wit the Rogers uh, they're feeling mighty good this morning. It was a total beatdown of University of Miami. And so I've watched some of that instead. Now let me get back <laughs> to where we are. But Christ is the heir of all things. And what that means is that in the narrative, it's the storyline. And so uh, I asked my wife and daughter, I said, well, what's the story going on here? And they looked at me like, not now, but, <gasps> Do it during commercial, you know? And so the commercial, what's the story? No, no, later. The commercial's too interesting, you know? And it's like, but the storyline, and God's storyline for this world is that He loves us, He's made us in His image. And humankind made a choice that when God said, You can have anything, but you can't partake of, of this knowledge of good and evil. Because only God has, listen, only God has the capacity to know what is good and evil for his people. Only God. And when we take that prerogative into our own hands, all hell literally breaks loose. God said you can have everything. But even then, because of his great love, he had planned before the foundation of the world, that Jesus Christ, His only Son, would come to die as a sacrifice for our sin. You see, humanity had violated God in a way that was so terrible that it would condemn us to die. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and that's what this Advent is all about, because As you heard on Good Friday, he would be crucified for our sins, but on Sunday, praise God, he'd rise again. Praise the Lord. But it was the once for all sacrifice. That's the narrative of everything that God does. He's not willing that anyone would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And as a church, I think it's so important that we understand God's narrative to this world. That when we take communion and we hold that cracker that's been... And we break that in our, in our, in our, our mouth and in our hands. And we understand that Jesus was broken and wounded for us, that God also calls us to be broken and wounded for this world. We're not the end consumers in this game. How many understand that? This is, we don't live in cul-de-sac Christianity where all the blessings flow this way, but we give it out. And so God's grand narrative is that He would redeem a people who in turn would spread the good news of Jesus Christ. When it says that He is the heir of all things, it means that everything that God has planned for eternity, Jesus Christ is the heir of those things, praise God. That all creation has been made for Him and by Him. Jesus is not simply deliver God's Word. He is God's Word. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 1, it says that He has been given a name. And what that means, friends, that the name is, that terminology is reserved only for God. Today, folks. And the spirit of this age want to say that it's okay to have a baby Jesus. It's okay to have a prophet. He's a, he can be a prophet. It's okay to be a teacher. Okay to be a good man. But if the enemy can confuse us concerning the deity of Jesus Christ, that He is God, He is coming again. If he can confuse us concerning that, He can confuse our mind concerning God's plan for you and for me. Jesus, Christ Jesus is God. He is all-powerful, all-glorious, the only Savior, and the soon-coming King, praise God. In verses 5 through 14, the writer went on to say this in verse 6. He said, Jesus alone deserves worship. Can someone say amen? Yes. He said that He has a throne. He has a scepter. That's the the symbol of power and authority. And He has a kingdom. He made the heavens and the earth. And He's been exalted to the right hand of God, waiting to come back for His bride, the church. Praise His name. Now, I have a question for you. It's not meant to be a threatening question. But in the spirit of this letter that was written to encourage believers what message does God want you to know because of the advent of Jesus Christ? What does He want to communicate to you? It could be something in your strength He wants to communicate. It could be something in your brokenness that He wants to communicate. Some message of love to you and your discouragement or your doubt you might say, what's the difference? I'm just going to go back. What difference does it, who really cares? I'm just going to go back and live like everyone else, like my, like my friends are doing. God's Word is written for you and for me to say, don't neglect, don't go back, press forward. It's working. God is uh, there on your behalf. Praise His name. Then, in these last days, Christ Jesus is God with us. In Matthew eighteen, nineteen to 20, the words of Jesus were this, Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age God's presence I'm with you always to the end of the age this letter that I have it was sent to me and it was, came from our assembly of God headquarters and I know the individual that sent it out and normally they're form letters but um, he just signed it and we've been friends He said, Paul, if you could help in any way, we'd appreciate it. He said, we we need it. But these people in Baghdad, and in that war-torn country, 3,000 evangelical Christians among 37 million, need to know that Jesus Christ is with them. They need to know. He's with them because of the church, because of you and me. He's with them because of His presence. In these last days, Christ, as God, has, He demonstrates His power through miracles and transforms lives. And today, He continues to speak to us, to His church, as the faithful and true witness, speaking to the church by His Spirit. That's found in the book of Revelation, where Jesus is called the faithful and the true witness. I want to encourage us today that we have the Word of God, the written Word of God, to build our lives on. But today, Jesus still speaks to us through His Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus is the Spirit of prophecy. He has a Word, a more sure Word, for you and for me. And today, He is the truth, the life, and the way. He's the captain of our salvation. He knows the way through the wilderness. He is the good shepherd. Sometimes there's a cost for building our life upon the Lord. I just recently saw where a member of the U.S. soccer team who is a follower of Jesus Christ, a very devout follower of Jesus Christ, When they were to wear uniforms that honored a sexual lifestyle that, outside of marriage and that God's word absolutely prohibits, she ended up resigning over it. It cost her something. But she said these words, and someone said, oh my goodness, look. Look what it cost you. And she said, when we live for the approval of people, we will die when they reject us. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, yes, yeah. I want to encourage us as a church that God has called us to be a voice in our community, speaking for God. He's called you to communicate, first of all, His love and how we can help. He's also called us to be truthful. There's things sometimes as a pastor that I do because of God's Word. I want you to pray for me. It's not always easy to do the right thing when everyone in the spirit of this age says do the wrong thing. I've learned a long time ago to do the, the right things for the right reasons, not the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. We don't live for the approval of others. We live for the approval of of God that we will be found approved in Christ and we live in a way to follow the Lord Jesus Christ that we live righteously before him and when we slip and when we fall we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ and someone say thank you Lord yes there's no one perfect none of us are I want to encourage you today that are part of Grace Assembly of God or if you're visiting and you're a follower of Jesus Christ to be His voice. Communicate to your neighbors what God wants them to do. Does that mean mean if someone is doing something that God's Word doesn't approve of that you go up there and that's the only thing you have to do? You shake that? bony old finger in their face and say, unless you do this, God's going to get you, turn or burn. No, that's not what that means. That's not what Jesus did. How many know if they won't hear you, you'll never win them unless they hear you? And you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. But truth is truth. So I want to encourage us to be the voice of Jesus. Jesus faithfully speaks to His church. But he wants his church to be faithful in these days. Faithful to him. Faithful to our Lord. Faithful of what he calls us to do. Simon is here, Masambuco. Simon's over there, he's from Africa. He gave a wonderful testimony Wednesday night. Um, and all I could say when I heard it, I say, well, they can do that in African cultures. It doesn't fly too well here, but... I praise God for his boldness. But he works with an individual who has idols in their home and things like that. And Simon said to him, but he's made a friend of him on the job. He said, that's not right. Those are false gods. There's one God in heaven. And the man said, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And Simon said, I haven't led him to the Lord Jesus Christ yet but he's so appreciative that, that I shared with him and he took something that was a paper a document and he ripped it up in front of Simon to say, I'm disavowing that. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Isn't that wonderful? But what if he never said anything? See. So I just want to encourage you. God in these last days speaks to us through Jesus Christ and he calls the church to speak to those around us On behalf of the Lord. Praise his name. Isn't God good? May God find us faithful in all of our ways. Thank you. Praise God. Would you bow your heads with me?